start recording. I'm going to... Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. All right, you there? I'm here. All right. I'm coming in hot. You're coming in hot. I think we're good. Looking good. All right. So All right. far, so good. Are you starting Hello. Reaper? Uh, yep. Yep. Okay. Hit the, got the recorder, and uh, the intro was a little abbreviated, so let's just dive right in. Oh, okay. Hello. Welcome to A Nice Place to Brew. I'm Jason. And I'm George. And this is A Nice Place to Brew. We are a podcast about, as the title says, all things beer and beer making. Uh, recorded in uh, uh, Darien, Illinois, and the area of Richmond, Virginia. So, George, how you doing today, sir? I'm doing all right. I'm a little disappointed that I didn't, for some reason, I didn't get to hear the the little jingle, so I didn't get to do my little chair dance that I usually do along with it. But it's okay. We can move you know on. What? But you know. What? I, you know. I'm going to make your day and I'm going to, I'm going to put that together. Hold on one second. (laughs) This is what I'm talking about. Like if we do the live cast thing that I, yeah, that we're planning, we got to play that at some point and I'm going to like do the thing and people are going to actually be able to see what I'm talking about. But I just, I, it's so <laughs> damn infectious. I can't not do the little chair dance that I do every time I hear that. Not only that, we need to give another ode to our good friend, uh, Tim, who, uh, who put that uh, little intro jingle together for us. Yeah. Thank you, Tim. Yeah. You know what? It's it's been a long time since we've mentioned that here on, here on the show. Let me let me give a plug to that um, plug to Tim. Yeah, um, Tim. I'm referring to is Tim McKeever out of Yorkville, Illinois. He is a musician, and he's he's a really well versed uh, musician. He does. Um, he writes his own folk songs. He plays guitar. He sings. He's done some soundtrack work for some uh, for some locally produced films. He also does some voiceover work too, and he's. He's he's quite the quite the creative dude, and he's been a good friend to me for a long time. So, Tim, a huge uh, a huge thank you to you, and uh, everybody out there. Uh, Tim's got a page on Facebook. Uh, go go look him up. He's got he's got some good stuff to see. Good on you, Tim. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Don't ever say I didn't do anything for you. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what is going on in Virginia? We. We haven't talked in a short short while. It's true. Yeah. No. Uh, um, well, I made a saison, and oh, I was, right. Yeah, and I was brought back to a time in our past because in this one I put ginger, sweet orange peel, and get this, peppercorns. And so <laughs> when I put the peppercorns, you probably are already ahead of me. When I put the peppercorns in, I was forced to think back to the time. When we were told to put salt into a beer, and then we were told that the beer was too salty. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know what? There was a there's a lot of things that ring a lot of bells in that. For one is the ginger because you and I had okay, a yeah. handful of uh, of uh, ginger recipes you know, back in the early days after we went all grain. But uh, outside of that, I definitely remember what you're talking about as far as the um, use salt in a beer and then get marked off for too too salty. Too salty. Thanks right? a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, but and and also. Um, you know, shout out to our friends over at uh, Main Street Brewers. You know, um, what's his name uh, over there? You have to remind me. Bill. Uh, Bill loves ginger. So yes, he does. I'm hoping yes. it comes out. Yeah. I'm going to see him tomorrow night, too. Tell him I'll, I say I'll hello. Share this, I will, and I'll share this story with him. He'll, he'll appreciate <laughs> it for sure. <laughs> How's the fermentation going? You know, it's going well. I, I It's in my catalyst. Um I'm very happy that I remember the firm cap in this one uh, because I'm up sitting at about five and a half gallons. And so if I had a really active Croizen, it would have uh, overloaded the, uh, the the airlock. And I actually went away for the weekend, so that would have been fun. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so, you know, put the firm cap in. So it kept, you know, the Croizen, the, the you know, formed, but it was kept to uh, to a minimum. Okay, okay. Uh, and you know, so far the the fermentation has been going really well. It's it seems to be you know on the near side of finishing up, and then uh, okay, yeah, I think I'm going to transfer it into a carboy and stick it in my my kegerator, bring it down to near zero and crash it out, and then I should be good. Good deal. I just remember the last saison that I made. Just that just getting that thing to fer- uh, finish up from fermentation was really a project. So, yeah. Sounds like you're doing a lot better than I did, which hats off to you. I hope so. You know, it's supposed to drive down to, I think, 10.06. So, I mean, that's dry. And so I'm hoping oh, yeah. that the, the it doesn't stall out on me. But I've got some US05 just in case. Um, okay. But I think, I think I should be good. Good deal. Yeah. All right. My, uh, I have not, I've not brewed since the last show, which, uh, I strangely, it feels like a long time since I've brewed. In reality, it's been about a month and a half, but it feels like, <laughs> feels like a quarter. Well, you're off um, cadence, you know. I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If I if I'm not meeting my my once a month commitment, I'm you know I'm letting people down. <laughs> so, but uh, I've uh, I've got. Um, uh, George and I, uh, we can uh, announce this here on the show. George and I are going to collaborate on an American pale ale, um, a style that I have not personally made before. George, when you were still here in Illinois, we did not make one of those. Am I correct? No, we did an IPA, but I don't think we did an APA. That's that. That's my thought as well. So we're gonna yeah. have uh, we're gonna yeah. put that together hopefully here shortly, um, and also uh, I'm gonna uh, make a follow up to uh, to the uh, Oktoberfest recipe that I put together um, last year, and that's gonna be in collaboration with another member of our uh, uh, Main Street Homebrewers group that came up earlier in the show, our good friend Tony. Oh, Tony. So, yeah. yeah. So okay. uh, are you gonna, gonna do it on his system or yours? It's most likely gonna be his. Um, okay. But uh, this is going back to uh, the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, this is going back to the old tradition of making um, Oktoberfest beers. Um, forgive me, I can't remember if uh, th- that had come up on this show or not, but there's some, there's some interesting history if you look at the way that Oktoberfest beers were made, you know, in centuries gone by. Um, what would happen is they would uh, they would start the, the brewing in March 
April of a given year. And then after fermentation was completed, the beer was then moved to caves where it would essentially be in secondary for a period of six months and then be ready to serve in September, October when the Oktoberfest holiday came, came around. So, yeah, well, we talked about that briefly because that's the same kind of thing for the Marzen style, you know, um, Oktoberfest being somewhat of an offshoot of the Marzen style. Right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, that I uh, when I made my Oktoberfest last year, um, it was made much later in the year. So, getting getting one started this early is going to be a new experience, and I'm looking forward to it. I think do I'll take you, a lot away from it. Do you have a cave to stick it in? <sighs> Do you have to? Do you have to steal my? Really, <laughs> well, you got to no, do no. that to me? Well, I mean, technically, you, you do. know where you, I live. There's no such yeah. thing as a cave in Illinois. <laughs> you do have uh, 40, 42 there, but um, forty two. The the fridge. Oh, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. Well, yeah. Does that qualify as a cave? Then yes. I mean, it's dark and cool if you put it at the right temperature. <laughs> Right, you know, I mean, that's what a cave is. You know, speaking speaking of uh, of dark and cool, uh, man, I tell you, let me start over. Speaking of dark and cool, it is cold as crap here in a nice place to brew studios right now. Oh, so yeah? much so, I am not only in a hoodie. When I got home from work tonight, I I had to go upstairs and change into my winter socks, and I'm still I'm I, I still got my hoodie up over my head. Like I don't know what's going on. You know, right now at the time of this recording, we're in the last week of March. Um, April first is a fit is a week away right now. It should not feel like it's the middle of winter right now, and here in the studio, that's what it feels like. Yeah, so. you know what? Um, the trees here are really are, are just now starting to to bloom and everything because it was a, okay. a late cold winter. You know, like it, yeah. it 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 was a pretty mild fall here, and then it got you know late cold. But yeah, oh man, it's thirty seven degrees. It was a high of thirty nine today. What is can that? Some, can somebody call Bill Murray and put a stop to this? What, Bill Murray? You always want the day to repeat. <laughs> Where are you going with that? <laughs> okay, that sounded that sounded that sounded funny for a second. I guess I guess I didn't. <laughs> well, the, I guess I guess where my brain was going with that was the groundhog just lied. Oh, just the groundhog is, lied. dude. I grew up not too far away from Puxatoni. That groundhog doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> well, this year is a classic example of that because, man, I mean, I don't think we've had a. I don't know if we've had a worse weather year post Groundhog Day than what we've had this year. Yeah. I mean, it's just been horrible. Yeah. No, Anyways. That, <laughs> yeah, that thing doesn't know what he's talking about. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, Anyways. All right. Are we, uh, we're going to start off with um, segment number one, Other Brews Reviewed. Mm-hmm. I've got two beers. George, do you have two beers? I do. I do. And I've got a rarity. I've got two IPAs. Oh. I can't even remember the last, and I liked both of them, oh so I can't even remember the last time I said that. But oh uh, do you want you want to kick it off? You know what? That was you, you got the segue there for two IPAs, and both you like. So the floor is yours. Okay. All right. Cool. So uh, the first one that I'm going to talk about here is one out of uh, Virginia, and it's called uh, a Hopwork Orange. So there's there's the pun that I was talking about. I imagine say that you, one again. A hopwork orange. 
Hop work orange. Okay. All right. You got you it? Pick, you okay. didn't pick up on that? I well, Like I said, I didn't read the damn case. I just like, oh, I know that brewery, <laughs> and I picked it up. So... <laughs> <laughs> So it wasn't until I, I was thinking about for this episode today, I was like, oh, crap, what was that called? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, OK, there's a pun there. Um, but it's from uh, <laughs> Blue Mountain Brewery uh, out of uh, Afton, Virginia, which I think is kind of west in the in the mountains. OK, um, but it is an IPA that has orange peel and North Pacific Northwest hops in it. And it has... You know, it has the bitterness that you would expect out of a 65 IPU beer. And it, and it is 7% ABV, so it's just north of sessionable, but, it, you know, not, mm-hmm. not too bad. Um, but what I really liked about it was all of the hop notes and character that really came through complemented the orange and were very citrusy. So it was a very juicy type of beer that um, you don't usually get from a... Uh, from an IPA, you know, where you have that more kind of bitter, earthy kind of taste to it. Um, was this a hazy? Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Okay, all right. Yeah, because I'm hearing hearing these details, and this this does fit like most details you that um, that the New England IPAs fit into. Yeah, I don't know if I go, you know, all the way and say it was a, a traditional New England IPA style, but it was definitely hazy kind of in, in that aspect. And I think it was, uh, you know, it's like I said, that Pacific Northwest citric hops and, and with the orange peel along with it. Um, that's, uh, I, I really like how they kind of put that together. And so I'm, I'm the reason why I have IPAs is because I don't like IPAs. And so I'm kind of branching out, trying to figure out what don't I like about them? What do I like about them, if anything? And to try to figure out, is there a way that I can make an IPA that I would like that I think other people would like and what characters that, you know. And so I think for me, um, having a good mixture of hops and adjuncts and different, you know, blends of flavor is going to be the key. And it's not going to be, you know, hit you in your face bitter that, you know, a lot of the IPAs tend to be. So, but um, Blue Mountain Brewery, good job. Nice. Yeah, I have to admit that really does sound good. I do. Um, I have not made a New England IPA yet. I'm one of the few club members of the uh, Joliet Brewers Guild that has not. Um, but it's 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 unique in a number of different ways, and and it's not just the haziness. But when you when you talked about the juicy notes, that is that's one that stands out in that in that style, and I agree completely. That's a that's a part of the style that I really enjoy. Yeah. So I think this this is right up my alley. I I can't imagine that bre- a brewery distributes in Illinois, but that's that's one I would enjoy trying. Well, um, they they are here in Virginia, you know, and I know uh, uh, at least one person other than myself in the house that would enjoy you stopping by. So you know, if you feel like All it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Done. Okay. <laughs> All right. You good? I'm good. All right. All right. Um. My first um, other brew, uh, other brews reviewed, is going to be from a brewery known very well to the members of the Joliet Brewers Guild. I'm talking about a brewery called Will County Brewing Company. And uh, for those of you who listened to the last episode, 
Um, Will County Brewing was um, was on the cusp of their one year anniversary event. Um, that uh, anniversary event, of course, has since happened, and they plan their anniversary around a number of different special uh, release uh, release beers for that weekend. Many of which were centered around uh, Saturday morning cartoons. That was a th- that was a theme uh, for for one of the days, and they <laughs> had a, a number of different cereal be- beers on tap. Now, their definition of cereal beer can range between when you know a beer that that has cereal in the mash, or one that was just kind of designed to replicate you know a certain breakfast cereal. So the beer that I'm going to review is is uh, is part of that series. Um, it's a beer that's listed in um, Untapped as Oatmeal Raisin Cookie. Um, the uh, the uh, style that it fits into is a red ale. Um, it's in the, more specifically red ale slash American amber slash red. Some more details are made with red wheat, honey malt, flaked oats cinnamon and crunchy raisin bran this is quite the treat um at six uh 6.3 percent abv and 24 ibus i'm not a fan of raisin bran i am not a fan of oatmeal i'm not really a fan of raisin cookies either really oatmeal raisin cookies this is one of the most delicious beers i have ever had Nice. This, I mean, I'm telling you, Will County absolutely knocked it out of the park with this beer. It was every flavor that that was that was described here when the when we're introducing this, and just the combination of everything. It was balanced and delicious, and I I just I I didn't want the glass to end. It was that good. Hmm. I I mean this this beer gets my highest of praise. I really hope that they do this again at some point this year. So Will Will County and our good friend our good friend Joel, who's the uh, who's the brew house manager there. Cheers. Nice. Yeah. No. I, it, all those. Uh, you know. I, I've 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 had um, raisin notes in a beer before, but usually if you're going to go like the oatmeal something style, then you're usually talking about like a stout, right? Yeah. So they they did that in a in a in kind of a red ale category. Yeah, and yeah. No, that yeah. sounds like it could be really good. It was it was really really good. Now was it so. like verging on the dark side of a red ale or yeah yeah okay. it was. As a matter of fact, I'll uh, I'll message you over a, a picture of it. Um, I, I would describe the color as it's somewhere between red ale and porter. It's kind of it's kind of floating the the mid ground between those two. Okay. All but right. it's it's definitely um, it, it. You wouldn't mistake this beer for a porter. It's I mean it's it's within the style of a red ale. That the the, la, the red ale classification they have is accurate. Okay. So all right. So, yeah, nice. man. It was it was awesome. It was awesome. Um, I'm not going to go into my second one yet, but I'm going. I, I'm previewing this, and I'm going to say I'm going from one really good review to one not so good review. So. Oof. So a rant is coming. A rant so, is coming. All right. Well, those are always coming. Jason rants are always fun. Yes. So, <laughs> anyways, take it away. All right. Cool. So my second one is, like I said, also an IPA. This one is a New England IPA. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it's six point eight ABV. The IBUs say NA, 
but trust me, it had bitterness to it. I just don't know exactly how much. Um, it's from Offshoot Beer Company out of California, and it's called Relax. It's just a hazy IPA, and it's just a hazy <laughs> IPA is in, in brackets. But, okay. Um, you know, and I will say that I think that the while the IPA craze that everyone seems to be on is not necessarily waning, I think people are getting smarter about it. Because like this one was very easy drinking. It was your, you know, kind of more traditional New England hazy IPA. And it had um, notes of, um, again, that kind of juicy, fruity um, style to it that, you know, balanced out the bitterness that you found in the hops. And it, and it wasn't 120 IBUs. It was probably about 70 IBUs. So enough that it kind of met with the style and gave you that bitterness that you're looking for in in an IPA, but it wasn't overshadowed and didn't and didn't run away with the you know your palate so that you couldn't appreciate the the more juicy citrusy notes to it. So it was uh it was it was good. I had it in a can, um, so I don't know if you know what effect having it in a bottle or or draft would be. But, um, but yeah, it was, uh, I, you know, it has a combination of Citra, Centennial, Simcoe, and Amarillo hops. Wow, okay, so good variety. Good variety of hops, and a lot of those give you that kind of more fruity, tropical note to it, so... I, you know what? I think tropical, now that I really think about it, is a good description. You know, I could very easily see drinking this on a beach in key west nice nice is so and and pretty well balanced overall uh yeah absolutely nice yeah yeah Uh, you know back to your earlier comment you you made a good point about uh the ipa craze not going away which you're you're right it's not um my one comment to that is i feel like the the ipa craze has is is consistently changing forms. And I think the hazy IPA is just, you know, kind of this past year's form of it. You know, mm. I, I do, I do feel like there's been kind of like, you know, every year has had its, you know, kind of go to IPA and it, every year it's been different, but I do agree. I feel like, I feel like every year it's moving in a better direction. I, I think yeah. I like the new England IPAs more than any of the other kind of, you know, go to uh, IPA styles. So I think I that's what I'm learning. Case, yeah, Maybe it's the be... West Coast that I don't like. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because it's those those California guys that you know tend to just crush it with these earthy, you know, hops that just run away with your palate, and all you taste is bitterness. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We'll see. I mean, this. I mean, this year is going to bring something new. Or you know maybe we're maybe we've already seen it because I mean you know the the brood IPA is less than a year old right now too. Yeah, brood, I was thinking about IPA, that. The brood IPA is growing and mm-hmm. it has not hit its peak yet. It is still going to continue to grow. So maybe that's I mean maybe maybe 2019 is going to be the year of the brood IPA, as 2018 was the was the year of the New England IPA. 
And in 2020, it'll be something else. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I'm on the edge of my seat here for, for a right. Jason rant. Rant away, sir. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Um, I'm going to give some backstory. So I had this beer um, a week ago. So I spent two days in Dallas, Texas on business. And I came home uh, on a Friday afternoon. And I had plans to meet my lovely girlfriend, Candelaria, for a sushi dinner in downtown Downers Grove. George, you know what I'm talking about. I do. Yep. So uh, we got, so we had dinner and left and we went into a place that's new in downtown Downers Grove. And I'll, I'll give them a plug here. I'm talking about a place called Orange and Brew, which is a tap room slash um, bottle shop, which has opened just within the last couple of months. It's a, it's a really good, you know, uh, tap room slash bottle shop it's you know right next to the local train station it's easy to get to and it's you know just a good atmosphere it's you know it's a good place so anyways being that we were right in the area we made a walk through there and uh, went through the variety of bottles that they have as many of the local bottle shops do they have their shelves um, divided into um, uh, states so Illinois has a, a section of, of the wall. Uh, the rest of the Midwest has another part. And then there's a last part of the wall that's just kind of everything else. If you're in California or New York or Florida or whatever, your your stuff just ends up there. Okay. So the place is locally focused. So there is a lot of locally, uh, locally made beer from the Chicagoland area. Um, if it's packaged, then there's a good chance that they'll at least make an attempt to have it there. So anyways... That was a long intro, but I'll get now. I'm getting into the beer. So I saw a beer on uh, well while walking through this place that literally had my mouth watering just from seeing the can. And the beer is called French Toast. <laughs> yes. So uh, where's the description here? I bet I can. I guess the the brewer on this one. Uh, you can. Is it Southern Tier? It's not. No. Okay. I, that sounds like it was up there, alley. I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm gonna t- I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about Southern Tier when, when I talk about this. Okay. This beer was made by a local brewery called Hubbard's Cave, that's located in Niles, Illinois. So it's within the Chicagoland area. Um, let me get the description here. I'll I'll show you what the what the label said. You you'll you'll understand right away why I was my mouth was watering for this. <laughs> okay. Reading right off the label. Cinnamon, maple syrup, vanilla, and lactose. Okay. In, a, in an eleven percent imperial stout. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. All right. So yep. that's that's gonna. You, did you did you eat that with a spoon? <laughs> uh, I'm getting to that. <laughs> okay. All right. So all right. Every single thing on that label are things that I enjoy. So my mouth was watering. I was I was excited to no end to not only buy this beer but to take it home and immediately drink it. I will not say how much I paid for this beer, but I'm embarrassed by it. I'll I'll say (laughs) that on the onset. So anyways, I did just that. Took it home, threw it in the fridge, let it cool down, and and poured it right away. It was at that point that I learned um, that this beer was a thick stout. So before I rant a little bit about this beer and a thick stout, let me just give, give way of a comparison. Um, I have raved on this show about 
our friends at Hardywood Park in Richmond, Virginia, who make a gingerbread stout. It's one mm-hmm. of the best beers I've ever had. But let me let me say this. I mean, because it is an imperial stout. It's got you know it's got special ingredients that give kind of a holiday flavor to it. And it's a great imperial stout on all categories. It's widely praised for good reason. It's fantastic. But let me tell you, that gingerbread stout is a beer. This yeah. French toast imperial stout is not a beer. This this beer, what this beer is, is four like breakfast ingredients thrown into a blender, you know, whipped into liquid form, and then <laughs> threw in twelve percent beer on top of it. This beer is more of a milkshake than a beer, and I've, I mean, this you 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 needed a fork and a knife to to not only not drink this beer to eat it. I couldn't get halfway through a 16-ounce can of this, I, I, and I just had to discard it. It was way, way too much. And this beer, I mean, this, I'm, I know there's a following around what's coined these, you know, in recent years as thick stouts, and I'm, gonna, I'm, right. just, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. You guys are monsters. <laughs> you are not drinking beer. You're, you're, you're eating breakfast. That's, that's all it is. This is not beer, and this stuff needs to go away. And I'm sorry, Hubbard's Cave, you guys, you know, you guys struck out on this one. Do, do not do this one again. When you were describing that, my the first thing that I thought of was cloyingly sweet. Was that it would that no. be No, it no, wasn't sweet. No, it's well, it it is sweet, but above above being sweet, it, it's I mean, it's like drinking maple syrup. Ugh, yeah, that's, no. I mean, really, that's that's the effect that it has. I may be alone in this. I'm looking at the uh, the reviews on Untapped, and uh, you know n- nobody's nobody's killing the score of this beer other than me. So I may be on my own on this. I mean, if you know if somebody wants to send me some hate mail via Facebook, bring it on. I'll, <laughs> I'll have this debate gladly. But you know, listen, here's here's a takeaway, and and, and I'll end this right here. Um, listen, if you want to make a big stout, make a big stout, but make sure it's beer right that's it it should be beer it should not you know it should not be a solid that's it well that's well, that's, that's what we always liked about southern tier is yes. no matter what they were making be it cinnamon roll turkey sandwich or what have you they were they always remembered that at the core it had to be beer yes and it sounds like the, this this kind of forgot that a little bit the pumpkin spiced beer is a perfect example it's flavorful. It's spicy. It's beer. The cinnamon roll. I mean, per, another perfect example. They, they went into that beer with a mission. They wanted to make a beer that tastes like a cinnamon roll, and they got it. Mission accomplished. Yeah, they absolutely did. This one, they got all all, all the ingredients, but I mean, you know, this. The, I mean that that beer is not like beer is for breakfast. This beer is breakfast. <laughs> That's it. That's okay. it. So, anyways, lesson learned. That that is the way. I mean, if you want to, if you want a model for making a flavored imperial stout, look at Southern Tier. Look, you know, look at Hardywood Park. Those are the two. Uh, Hubbard's Cave. Back to the drawing board. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, actually, you know, <laughs> excellent rant. Top, Thank you. Top top five rant. 
But I, I gotta Top go back five. to your, I gotta go back to your other uh, your other one real quick. You said okay. that it was for from Will County. You said it was one of the best ones that you've had. Now, yeah. As far as I know, and you can tell me if I'm wrong on this, the best beer that you've had, the only one that you are even considering making a five out of five, is Warlock. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still it, stand by that. Is it better than Warlock? Oh, oh man, that's a really tough call. I mean, it's—I'll <laughs> say this—it's in the conversation. I mean, I don't know if I'm ready to commit and say that it's—you know—that it's taken the title from Warlock, but it's in the—that—that's all—that's all I'll say. It's in the conversation. Okay, all right, because yeah. I know like Mama's. Um, Peach from Hardywood, yes. you know, was yes. in that same conversation, but it didn't quite make the cut. Man, I you know me yeah. so well. You just <laughs> you just rattled off like the four my four all time favorite beers. Hats <laughs> off to you, man. <laughs> oh man, wow! I think we got it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Segment number one. All right. Um. I'm late in doing this, but um, okay. a couple housekeeping items before we close up segment number one. I want to give out our social media links. Uh, mm. We are on Facebook at Nice Place to Brew. We are on Instagram at A Nice Place to Brew. Um, that takes care of our social media links. Um, I'd also like to take an opportunity to give a congratulations to all the people that um, took home medals at the recent Drunk Monk Challenge and Charlie Orr Memorial uh, Chicago Cup Challenge. Um, I had, uh, I had some entries into both competitions, uh, did not take home any medals. Um, however, some of our fellows in the, uh, Joliet Brewers Guild did. Um, I believe we had four different medal winners at, um, at, uh, Charlie Orr this past weekend and hats off to uh, all of you guys and a, and a special congrats to our own, uh, hashtag where's Polly, Mr. Polly Bidney. Hmm. Um, Polly makes a new England IPA. It's uh, known in the area as Polly's Truck. And, uh, George, I truly hope that you're in the area one time to try this. Um, Being that we just uh, spent a good part of segment number one talking about New England IPAs, Polly's got a fantastic one in Polly's Truck. Okay. Uh, So so much so that um, it has been made on Will County's system, and it's been on tap there as well. Will it make a return? I don't know offhand. I certainly hope the answer is yes, because it's a really good one. Okay. All right. Well, I'm down, you know. Yeah. So that is that. All right. right. So let's pause. We will come back with segment number two. Um, Segment number two is Recipe Wizard. Um, Pull open your BJCP uh, guidelines. We're looking at um, category 18B, which is uh, American Pale Ale. So stick with us. And we're back. Welcome back to A Nice Place to Brew. I'm Jason. And I'm still George. You are still. All right. <laughs> that's that's important. You know. I'll be a little, I'll be a little frightened if you weren't. I, well, there's, there's no been no, like, reality shift or anything going on. So, <laughs> you know, so I've, I'd be ris- remiss to ask this. Like, okay, so I told you before we started recording that I was connecting my beer line in my kegerator to pour out some of my Brute IPA. 
yeah. which I am still enjoying and slowly drinking through trying to free up some keg space. But what, sir, if anything, are you drinking I'm this glad fine you, night? I'm glad you asked. Um, I am having a beer that I'm trying for the first time. Uh, this was gifted to me from a salesperson that I work with out of Ohio. Um, the name of the brewery is Right Brain Brewery out of Traverse City, Michigan. And this is a coffee stout that's called CEO Stout. And hmm, it's a 5.5%. Okay. Uh, um, I mean, it really kind of fit. It definitely fits the mold of a coffee stout. Um, I'm enjoying it. It's yeah. Um, it. I mean, it's a it's a beer that did what it set out to do. Okay. Uh, how how present is the coffee? It's you know what it's it's pretty mild, and to me that's a good thing. I mean, it's it's very easy to overdo coffee, and in beer, and mm-hmm. when you do and you when you overdo it, you just get that chalky feel to the beer that's just not enjoyable. So, these guys, right brain, um, well done. Um, I don't, um, Traverse City is in the north, uh, northwest part of Michigan, and I don't believe that I've had any other beers from this brewery before, mm-hmm. um, but this beer kind of tells me that, it, that they're doing some things right. According to Untapped, this, you're drinking their number one seller. Is that, is that true? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you know what I like a brewery that has a stout as their um, as their go-to beer. As their, their, their that's, number one, that's a sign of good things, in my opinion. All right, you know, you know what? Speaking of stouts, although this might be a brown ale now that I think about it, um, you, you guess what I just uh, saw at the on the shelf uh, last weekend that I gotta pick up some because it What's, is quite uh, good. Uh, Want to take a whack? Uh, let's see. Let me think. Yeah, don't tell me. Don't tell me. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think what month it is. Okay, so we're still early in the year. We are. Yeah, it's gonna be too soon for that. Um, for that. Uh, for that pie flavored beer from Hardywood. Um, it's oh, too yes. late. It's too, too late. It's too late in the year for Biggie S'mores or the gingerbread. Mm, is it though? What? Wait. Is that what it is? It's Biggie S'mores. It is, uh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I got to pick some up. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Did you, did you, I mean, you saw it there. You didn't walk out with it? No, I was, I had George, other. I, no, I'm sorry. On. I know. I got to oh. pick some up. Yeah. <laughs> so. You better hope it's still there when you get, when you get back. I know I do. Yeah. That's a, oh, that Biggie S'mores. That, that beer was fantastic. Yeah, and that is a stout. I just confirmed on Untapped, but stouts are not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> See, I can segue really, with the best really, of them, right? You, yeah, you, you you did very well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're talking about American Pale Ales. Uh, check out BJCP category eighteen B. Um, the timing of this is appropriate for a, a couple of different reasons. Uh, when we let off in the show, George and I are collaborating on an American Pale Ale uh, recipe right now. Um, we are planning a special episode of A Nice Place to Brew in conjunction with the brewing of, of this recipe. Um, more details to come as it, as it comes together. Um, but, but beyond that, um, we are slowly keyword slowly getting into the warmer months 
So this is uh, this is a good time to be starting um, recipes such as an American Pale Ale, which is an ideal recipe for you know kind of the warmer months out of the year. George, um, that we this I got uh, I, I got everything in front of me. There's a whole different categories. We're gonna break this down into sections. But any mm-hmm. uh, before we go into some of the high level uh, points, you got any uh, any kind of intro pieces on this? So think, you know, know, a lot of times when people talk about an American pale ale and the main difference between an American pale ale and an India pale ale is how forceful the bitter notes are. So an American pale ale is kind of like the bastard stepchild of an IPA and an American pilsner. That it's kind of, you know, lighter character, Mm -hmm. lighter hop character, and... um, all around just kind of a more reserved beer is kind of the best way I can think to, to describe it. Um, but still with a lot of character and a lot of, um, you know, good notes along with it. It's by no means a beer that you'd walk away and say, well, that didn't have any flavor or any character to it, but it's just not going to be as punchy in the face as, as, as an IPA or anything like that. That's really a great background, and I think your description is perfect when you describe it as kind of the child between an IPA and just kind of an American uh, American ale. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, this is not going to be – this is a hoppy beer, but it's not a hop – but it's not like a, you know, 100 IBU beer that's, you know, going to leave your lips puckering because of just, you know, how hoppy it is. Right. So, if you need one that you can drive around on your lawnmower and mow your grass with or yes. or watch a football game, an APA, it's good good choice. Or baseball, of course, because that's the if warm, you must. warm weather. <laughs> <laughs> football doesn't come until later, man. <laughs> okay, hockey's right now. You can watch some hockey. <laughs> A um, couple of uh, vital statistics. I'm going to start there. IBUs are between 30 and 50. So hoppy, but not overly hoppy. SRM is 5 to 10. So you're really light on the scale here. So um, I think the, the grain, we'll get in the grain profile, but you're not going to be going far beyond just some regular base malt to, to get that SRM. Um, original gravity, uh, 1045 to 1060. Uh, with a final gravity of between 1010 and 1015. ABV is going to get you between 4.5 and 6.2. So those the, these are all very consistent with the details that uh, that George uh, Georgia mentioned a second ago. This is uh, you're you're creating a you know a slight, slightly hoppy lawnmower beer. That's mm-hmm. I mean that's really the you know the start and end of an American pale ale. I think that's a, I think that's a perfect description. Yeah, and people will rag on that, especially like the IPA hipsters, because oh well, you're you know it's just a lawnmower beer, but there's nothing wrong with that, you no, know. And there's a place for that. Yeah, there's there's a place for that. There's a place for the super hoppy ones. There's a place for, well, maybe there's not a place for a thick stout, but there's a place for stouts, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with that, and and a lot of the, a lot of my. Uh, go-to beers would qualify as a American pale. Nice. Yeah. 
Should we, uh, let's go to the judges. All right, overall impression. Um, this is a repeat of a lot of things that we've already said, but it's, uh, but it's worth saying. Overall impression, a pale, refreshing, and hoppy ale, uh, yet with sufficient supporting malt to make the beer balanced and drinkable. A clean hop presence can reflect classic or modern American or New World hop varieties with a wide range of characteristics. An average strength hop forward pale, uh, pale American craft beer generally balanced to be more accessible than modern American IPAs. I feel like that just kind of repeats everything that we that we said to set this up. And it's a really good description, too. Cause it, it, it is. It, it, that's that's kind of what I was driving to and couldn't think of. Is It's much more accessible than, you know, your typical IPA. And that's that's absolutely true. Yeah, very true. Aroma is the second uh, description. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm going to go through this real quick. I okay. do want to talk about um, some uh, some go to uh, aroma hops that you can use um, in the in the recipe. And while we're talking about aroma, I'd like to just kind of go right there. So the aroma description is moderate to strong hop aroma from American or New World hop varieties with a wide range of possible characteristics, including citrus, floral, pine resinous, spicy, tropical fruit, stone fruit, berry, or lemon. None of these specific characteristics are required, but hops should be apparent. Low to moderate maltiness supports the hop presentation and may optionally show small amounts of uh, specialty malt character, in parentheses, bready, toasty, biscuit, caramely. New sentence, fruity esters vary from moderate to none, Dry hopping, if used, may add grassy notes, although this character should not be excessive. So, and yeah, and then, and, and, and so as you can tell, like, listen to, listen to this, includes a wide range of possible characteristics, including citrus, floral, pine, resinous, spicy, tropical fruit, stone fruit, berry, or melon. That this and flavor, this is where this beer shines. And, and where one APA may still qualify as an AP, but may be s- dramatically different from another APA yeah. is the variety uh, and the hop character that you can put in. You've got a huge palette to work with. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, I guess the advice when you're, um, when you're put, building a recipe for American pale ales, you're going to have to pick, you know, one of these like, you know, major things that you want to try to focus on. And mm-hmm. you've got a lot of selection. I mean, if you want to make something with citrus notes or floral notes or pine notes or, or spicy, you've, you've got an array of hops you can choose from that, you know, that can achieve those specific notes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of range here that, um, that you can really play around with and, and come up with some cool combinations. All right. We got ourselves the Brewmaster's Bible here. One of my many books that I have. All right. And so looking at this, where are they? Schlager recipes, understanding, hot profiles. So, when you're talking about the different hop profiles and everything, and what they can be used for, 
you have a lot to work with. Now, when you're working with the APA style, typically you want to work with ones that are more American or what's considered new world styles. So your traditional kind of noble hops and East Kent Goldings and things like that yep. are not commonly used for these. Um, but this is where a lot of the more American driven um, hops can really shine. So like one of my personal favorites is Cascade. Um, yeah is it and that gives you kind of a it's, it's very versatile as a as mm -hmm. a bittering or an aroma or, or a flavor hop and it's got the citrusy notes to it and it can add some aroma aroma to it um you also have centennial chinook cluster columbus um is amarillo on that list amarillo is that maybe I would I would maybe suggest that as a late edition hop. If you're going to do it, I'd good... say probably late edition, yeah. And but there, I think if I remember correctly, Amarillo is a citrusy one, isn't it? Or is it an earthy one? I can't remember. Similar to Cascade. Um, similar to Cascade. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. And then some of the other ones you have are like Liberty Mount Hood, which is uh, Mount Hood will um, tend to give you more of the it, it's kind of a hollertau clone derivative. oh okay all right and so it'll give you some of those notes but in a more american variety of northern brewer which is a very common uh hop used in the states yeah, so it's, i mean it's you everywhere. have you have a lot of uh variety that you can use and uh the last one that really stands out here is wilmette and but What's the Will Met? I don't know that one. Will Met is a spicy aromatic hop, finishing hop. Okay. Um. So it it kind of give you some a little, little bit more spicy notes to to a beer. So the good news here and the challenging part with an APA for people that are kind of more uh, used to doing the more noble hops and things like that is you're gonna get out of your comfort zone on this one. If you really want to kind of keep with style, you got to throw the book out on noble hops and, you know, your traditional English hops that a lot of people tend to lean on, including myself, to be perfectly honest. Okay. You know, okay. for uh, for beer that tend to work out very well, but just are not appropriate for this style. Even, even so, there's, there's so much variety at your fingertips that I feel like that would be a pretty a pretty seamless move away from from the noble hops because you know I think as a brewer I think this this gives you a a, a platform to be a little bit more creative than some of the other styles where you know you the the framework is a little bit more rigid and you know exactly I mean you can play around with the recipe of course but you kind of know what you're going for and what you're you know going to end up with. This one, you've got some options. Oh, that's know, true. Yeah. I mean, this is this is your, I mean, if if if, if a Pilsner is like a, like a Manet, this is like, yeah, an APA is like Bob Ross's Happy oh. Little Trees. You know, I mean, it's, it's. <laughs> that's, a gr that's a great description. Yeah, you know, it's, it's whatever you want it to be. And, and you have a lot of leeway in it, but it's, 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 those are two very different things is what I'm saying. Uh -huh. So if you're, if you're used to the precision 
and and everything that they say a pilsner takes you know you're you're kind of looking at this one going well you know what do you mean i can't i shouldn't you know measure this down to the milliliter or anything you know (laughs) (laughs) you got to be a little america with it you know (laughs) (laughs) you said it absolutely (laughs) all right want to cover some uh some other areas let's talk about grain okay um the grain's going to be straightforward. Where is the um, section about... Uh, There's an ingredients section, I think. Yeah, there is. There uh, it is. Here we go. Special uh, characteristic ingredients. Uh, pale ale malt. Um, th- this is going to make up the vast majority of your of your grain bill. Mm-hmm. Um, George and I were talking uh, b- right before we, uh, b- before we started recording. Um, George, George and I... Uh, a go-to um, specialty malt for us is one of the one of the caramel blends. You know, anywhere on the Lovabond scale, there's there's several of them. Um, the American Pale Ale 18B uh, is one where caramel is generally not recommended. So you, we're kind of breaking from tradition on that front. <laughs> so anyway, going beyond pa- uh, Pale Ale malt, mm-hmm. um, recommendations are typically uh, North American two-row American or new uh, new. Or, New World hops uh, with a wide range of allowable characters. Specialty grains may add character and complexity, but generally make up a relatively small portion of the grisp. Grisp. Grist. Sorry. <laughs> She's this only in a 5.5% beer. Um, gr- <laughs> grains that add malt flavor and richness, light sweetness, and toasty or bready notes are often used along with late hops to differentiate brands. So they're a little nonspecific about what specialty grains, you know, are are good fits. Um, kind of similar with the hops. This is probably an area that you can be a little inventive with. Yeah, I mean that's the America coming out, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah. be a little inventive with it, and you know, try different things like th- maybe throw in just a little bit of biscuit malt for that kind of bready flavor. You know, or, it does mention that here here in the guidelines mm-hmm. about, you know, about bready, toasty, biscuit, or caramely being things, you know, that if you choose to um, try to bring those out, this is a style, you know, that's fitting within the style to, to go that way. Um, yeah, and if... The, the, the biscuity notes is an interesting prospect. I, I wouldn't... my in, in my brain, I didn't go right there when I thought of the style American Pale Ale, but I'm intrigued. I am too. Um, and And... Yeah, so it like you said, a little bit of caramelly flavor or malty flavor. You can get that from a caramel malt. I wouldn't go higher than like a ten or twenty love bond, and I would keep it real oh, low. Oh, for sure not. Yeah. You know, and, um, but it you know like a caramel or a carapils, you know, can add some of that body, but keep it a very small percentage of your of your total grist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, we got we got uh, hops, we've got uh, grain. Let's talk about yeast. Oh, you know, yes, yeast. Yeah. I mean, listen, I wouldn't stray that far away from just a regular American ale yeast uh, for this. I wouldn't even rule out just using USO5. Yeah. USO4 or USO5, I think, would work really well. Yeah. I mean, there's um, comparable liquid yeasts that, you know, that, that fit that same strain. Um, I think those are very fitting for this. Yeah, just make sure it. You know, the one thing I would say, and and it spoke to this a little bit in the uh, in the overall description, but 
just make sure you don't get an estery yeast that that doesn't belong in this at all um so you want to make sure you get one that if anything is going to add some fruity or some uh kind of more piney notes but nothing that's going to add those kind of esters that you would find in say a belgian or anything like that um i know we don't usually do this but let's uh, let's talk about water uh, we've got uh, malt, hops, and yeast. Let's let's talk a little bit bit about water. Um, obviously, you can. Uh, I mean, every di- every dif- not only every re- recipe, but every style is going to have a different fitting water profile, as some of the br- uh, brewing water calculators out there will uh, will show t- uh, to you. Um, George, do you have any details you can share about you know kind of an ideal water mix when putting this together? Yeah, sure. So when you're talking about an APA, you're talking about, like I said, like we said before, between five and 10 SRM. So most of the time, that's gonna get you around like a yellow type of beer. Uh, You may stray a little bit more towards amber um, at the very high end of that spectrum. But a lot of times you want to kind of look at yellow if you're looking at like uh, water profile sources. so what that's going to mean for you is you're going to be looking at a, you know, a moderate amount of calcium, about 50 parts per million, very low amount of magnesium. You know, you want to keep that low and that's going to be about seven parts per million. Um, same with sodium. You know, you do not need a whole lot of sodium when it comes to this. And that's you know, kind of those salt flavors. But again, this is a very light, very um, light palated beer. So you don't need a whole lot of sodium to back that up. Um, sulfates around 75. Um, chloride, you need a moderate amount at about 60 parts per million and bicarbonates you really don't need a whole lot of bicarbonates at all uh for the profile the 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 profile brewing water that i'm looking at right now actually says zero bicarbonates uh is necessary um and so a lot of that is kind of you know super advanced and people that are messing around with water chemistry but what that means is you don't need a whole lot of minerals and extra ingredients to make this be a beer that will um that will stand out you know your water can be as kind of basic as you as you as you can make it uh and still be effective in a uh in a in an api so you you know in most situations, you probably won't have to do a ton of treatment. In fact, Jason, I think in your situation, you're gonna have to, you would probably have to take some stuff out of your water in order to make it uh, match that profile, right? So you're saying that I don't need to add salt. That's what I'm saying. To make it yeah. APA. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> so, and just to well, kind of all right then, <laughs> just to kind of put that in balance here, a black beer like a like a like a stout. You know, um, when you're talking about bicarbonates, you're talking about 142 parts per million. Chlorides, 44. Sulfates, 57. Sodium, 33. So you're you're really kind of kicking up what, uh, and those don't sound like dramatically different numbers, but remember, we're talking about parts per million. And that is a huge amount when you're talking about, you know, changing the chemistry of water. So, right. um for this one, I would probably say 
yellow balanced or amber balanced and there is actually a pale ale profile that you can use as well but it is a lot more aggressive on here How, and, uh, when you go from yellow balance to the pale the, the pale profile how dramatically does it shift very oh okay all right yeah and and so that's where i look at this and i and i kind of wonder and and this might be an interesting experiment to try do one with a pale ale profile and one with a yellow profile and see how what difference you get in the in the res- in the end result because when we're talking about the pale ale profile we're talking 140 parts per million for calcium 18 for magnesium which is up 25 for sodium 300 for sulfates and 110 mm-hmm. for bicarbonates uh ca- chlorides basically the same challenge accepted yeah, there you so, go. Yeah, uh, so That's, I mean, I mean, listen. I mean, we've got an experiment ex- experiment designed already. You mm-hmm. know, we're you know we're controlling all the variables, and this you know this will be the one the one change, and we can see them side by side. Yeah. I think that's a that's a good well and yeah and we're so we're talking about what we're going to be doing where he's going to be brewing on his system I'm going to be brewing on mine and we're going to be making the same recipe uh, yep. and we both can try one of the profiles and see how it comes out so I mean it really this is again where the experimentation of the uh, of the paleo really comes into play yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing about water chemistry before we close out of this, mm-hmm. um, I'm very reliant on those water chemistry calculators, mostly because I freely admit I'm not smart enough to know half of this stuff. I'm not. I, I plain and simple. And you know what? I, I'm, I feel fortunate that I live in a day and age where I don't have to because I can <laughs> use these things and I, I can trust them, you know, and so far so good. Yeah, I'll tell you so, what, f- physical chemistry I'm okay with. Organic chemistry is where I checked out. That That's like the calculus <laughs> of chemistry, and I yeah. just was like, I'm done. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, organic chemistry is a different animal. Yes, it is. <laughs> I think we got it. Yeah. Um, so do you want to share? Uh, I mean, I, I would say let's share some commercial examples. Um, they, they have a couple of these referenced in the uh, notes here, but I only recognize one of them. Um, Sierra Nevada is classified as an American pale ale. Mm-hmm. I would argue that may fit into some other categories, maybe better. Um, Stone has their Stone. own pale ale. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you have any, I mean, looking outside of this list, do you have... Is there one prominent American pale ale that comes to your mind? Yeah, I struggle no. with that too. No, I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say no because every brewery of any, you know, of a, a prominence that has, you know, 30 or 40 different brew, you know, so once you get outside of the craft brew is going to have an, an APA. And True. all of them are going to be slightly different. So, um, you know, when you say, you know, name an APA style, an APA beer, you know, Sierra Nevada, Stone, and and Goose come to mind. You know, they have an APA. Um, but there's, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's a very wide-reaching style, especially, obviously, here in the States. So um, experiment and see which one you like and try to replicate it. Very cool good deal all right let's seal it up that is american pale ale 18b 
Uh, more to come from George and I on this on this style as our little project here comes together. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take a little breath here. Um, okay. We're gonna come back with segment number three: uh, tips from the semi pros. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, keeping records in segment number three, and we're going to talk about two different tools where you can do that. So, so come right. Uh, so don't go too far. We'll be right back. Welcome back to a nice place to brew. I'm Jason. Still George. Still. Still. Going into segment number three. We're talking about keeping records today. And before we go into that, I've got a trivia question. No, buddy. All right. Yeah. Hit me. What do you got? Okay. All right. So uh, today's trivia question is going to be St. Patrick's Day themed. Meaning that because uh, we uh, the time of this recording is the later half of March, um, we are now past uh, St. Patrick's Day, and um, I found some interesting facts about St. Patrick's Day that many people will not know. Um, and I, I guess to start off with a little bit of background, St. Patrick's Day was not always the major drinking holiday that it is today. Um, so the, the so the trivia question here is, and I'll give four choices. <laughs> George, you'll appreciate the way this the way this is structured. The trivia question is: Why do we drink on St. Patrick's Day? Is it a to hide the pain? <laughs> B in memory of fallen leprechauns. C the church lifted the drinking ban, or is it D to celebrate the Irish American bond? Uh, okay, so first of all, it's E, all the above, but I'm going to say C. <laughs> yes, it is It is C. But yes. It, why do we drink on St. Patrick's Day? Because the Catholic Church lifted the drinking ban on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. So while that may sound, so to many people in America, that, that may sound odd because of the, you know, widely recognized drinking holiday that has become St. Patrick's Day, um, the true roots of St. Patrick's Day are quite significantly different. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through some of the history, and it's pretty interesting. The first and foremost likely reasons that we celebrate St. Patrick's Day is because of the Catholic Church, not your green your green food coloring in Miller Lite from your local bar. <laughs> this would mean that St. Patrick's Day is more than just Irish whiskey. St. Patrick's Day commemorates Christianity's arrival to Ireland. The Cat uh, the Catholics then led a celebration for the Irish, celebrating heritage and culture. This is where the clover comes into play. The three-leaf clover, keyword not the four-leaf clovers, are su- supposed to help explain the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And parades and festivals were all sparkled with green attire to match the clover. So uh, around around St. Patrick specifically, rumors suggest um, from history that St. Patrick was abducted by Irish raiders for six years and eventually escaped by converting pagan Irish people to Christianity. March the 17th, according to the Irish, is the date of his death. And March 17th was dedicated as a public holiday in 1903 so that Irish people, atheists, and the devout could all honor him. Believe it or not, in 1903, an Irish leader named O'Mara coined March 17th as a national holiday, 
but also declared that all pubs were to be closed on March 17th. In so, Ireland. In Ireland, specifically. <laughs> so, for, for, so for a very long time, this was not a drinking holiday because you, plain and simple, could not drink on that day because the pubs were all closed. So anyways, moving forward, the Irish have been celebrating the St. Patrick's Day feast since the 9th century. It's not only a national holiday, but also a holy day of obligation for practicing Catholics who often pin shamrocks to their Sunday best and head to Mass. So from 1903 up until the 1970s, Irish law prevented pubs from opening on March 17th. The day was a relatively somber religious holiday. Um... Uh, celebrating the patron saint of Ireland and the arrival of Christianity to the formerly pagan Irish country. St. Patrick, who is actually a British missionary, is credited with uh, spreading Christianity to Ireland, and March 17th is the day of his death. Irish people would spend St. Patrick's Day in church rather than pubs. In fact, the St. Patrick's Day quote-unquote party atmosphere is much more of an American tradition than an Irish tradition. So there you go. Hmm. Little St. Patrick's Day knowledge for you. Yeah. Cheers, folks. Cheers. Yep. Now, I freely admit I I had my share of beer on St. Patrick's Day, so <laughs> I did not. I had a Guinness, but I didn't have my share of beer. Yeah. yeah. I uh I did partake in the St. Pat the St. Patrick's Day festivities. I did go to a local place, enjoyed some traditional Irish music, and did have a beer or two or three. Okay. And it, and it was a great time. Nice. Yeah. Anyways, let's talk about uh, brewing records, shall we? We shall. All right. Okay. Why is keeping records important? Well, it depends. Uh, there's a couple different reasons, but the primary one is you want to be able to look at what you've done in the past, make adjustments and do things better in the future. So especially when you are venturing into the realm of all grain and you're getting out of the uh, realm of using recipes created by other people, you want to keep a record of it so you can see how successful you are. You were. Uh, And if you make the beer and you decide it's too hoppy or too bready or too malty you can make adjustments because of that and a brew journal and keeping your recipes together will help you in order to make those adjustments well and just to build on that um what's important about just not only using these uh using these things and keeping records like um not only like after a brew day it's most important during a brew day um, many people treat their brew days in different ways, you know, it's, and it's easy to fall into, you know, just treating a brew day as just kind of a social day where you got a bunch of friends around and you're doing most more socializing than paying attention to the brewing steps that you're doing. But, um, oh, you know, there's, there's a lot of steps to go through on a brew day, um, regardless of what style that you're, that you're making. And keeping accurate records throughout your brew day um, really oftentimes is a difference between, you know, a solid homebrewed beer and one that's, you know, just you're going to take one one sip and be like, "Eh, something's not right here. So um, 
it, it's I mean th- this is one I, I would stress a lot of importance with um, you know as best you're able to keep a brew day structured um, know ahead of time you know what your next steps are and you know know the big points of where to take measurements write those measurements down and as George said you know with those prepared you can make necessary adjustments and you know potentially prevent a big uh, or I should say a small problem from turning into a big problem mm-hmm Absolutely, especially, you know, as things get more complicated with what you're doing. Like when in the last segment we talked about water profiles and everything like that, you know, being able to work up those water profiles beforehand, print them off, add them to your brew journal and, and, and you know, can you can stage these things in prep bowls and, and have them ready to go for your, uh, for your brew day. And it can be, you know, the more you do that, you know, there's an argument to be made that it kind of sucks some of the fun out of it because you're structuring it more and it's becoming more of a professional thing and not just a, a fun thing. But, you know, at the same time, part of the fun of brewing for a lot of people is the pride you feel in not only did I create something that I like and that other people like, but I was able to do it again with the same or better results. And and that's where a brew journal really comes into play. That's 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 well said. And having having a record you could go back to, it's going to give you the opportunity to you know create consistency in your brew day and across your recipes. Not to mention, if you go to a homebrew club, because this has happened to me, and I've seen oh, it happen to so many people. Yes. Oh, this is absolutely the, the thing to yeah the thing to talk about. Yeah, I mean, you go to a homebrew club and you give them your beer and and you say, here, try this. And they try it and they say, oh, wow, that's really nice. What did you put in it? <laughs> and then you go, well, damn, I don't know. Um, How much of that did you put in? Oh, damn, I don't know. <laughs> I have it somewhere at home, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but, you know, in a, in a, you know, if you if you if you remember your brew journal, because that's happened to me too, um, uh-huh. when you go to one of those things, you can just open up to that page and say, "I put eight pounds of this, two pounds of this, blah 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 blah," and you can let them know. And that can, uh, I mean, that's just it's a side note to the whole no, process, but I it's. I don't think it's a side note at all. I think it's a I think it's a key point okay. because I mean, how how much do you take away from those conversations where you end up sharing Brute stories with somebody and knowing specifics about uh, you know about certain things? You know that formulates exactly like how you can frame what you did from one brew day get you know get some potential potentially valuable feedback and then you have you know records to go back to to kind of reformulate and re you know rebuild whatever uh whatever modifications that you need and then you have you know a structure that you can do something with that's true that's yeah, absolutely I don't, true. I, no yeah. I, I think that's i think that's a very serious point yeah i mean feedback i mean if if, if that's your goal if your goal is to like improve your brewing and not even necessarily work towards commercial applications, but just work towards, I can make some really good beer, you know, feedback from other people is invaluable and being able to give them details about how you made what you made. will be able to, they'll be able to give you better feedback. Absolutely. Yeah. 
So, anyways, um, we talked on the on the last show about uh, the catalyst fermentation system, and I'm gonna today we're gonna talk about uh, we're gonna give a we're gonna give a little um, detail about a product that we both can recommend, and you know it, it may seem like a small thing to be promoting something referred to as a brew journal. You know, I mean, it's such a you know it's just a simple thing by its nature. Um, but I'll tell you, George was the first to catch on to this. He gifted me with a brew journal of my own, this leather browned uh, uh, book, that, and it's uh, structured with with pages that are specific for brew days. And I tell you, I friggin' love this thing. <laughs> this thing is fantastic. It, I mean, you would never have to go anywhere else to you know just to make make your little notes you know throughout a brew day than than here. You know, it's and it's small enough, and you know, it's easy to to travel with. Just you know, throw it in your backpack, and it's got this little uh, little leather hook on it, just to uh, just to keep it intact and keep it from opening if you step away. So. Yeah, I mean, and that's uh, that little leather hook. It kind of holds it together and keeps it closed, and which I really like because I like to print off um, the pages from Bruin Water. Yeah, stick yeah. them inside, and so that keeps it closed, so those don't go f- tumbling out, you know, and everything like that. So yeah, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, go ahead. So I, I just, you know, I'm not going to go into too too many details with this, but the, the high level bullet points. If you open up to uh, to any page, um, the left hand side is going to be uh, the left hand side of any page is going to be um, the main level. Um, recipe items the right side of of the um of the area is going to be uh kind of your notes throughout the brew day so your recipe on one side your your high level notes on the right hand side uh looking left you see an area for general information and then all of your ingredients and then a couple of brewing notes looking to the right you've got hop notes you got yeast notes fermentation um, four different areas for hydrometer readings. So if you're if you're doing things well and you're taking pre-boil um, uh, gravity readings, and then post-boil gravity readings, and then post-primary fermentation, and then hopefully post-secondary uh, fermentation, you've got room for all that. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got keg- kegging and bottling notes, tasting notes, and then just a big little box for additional information. So I uh, I took um, I took a couple of uh, cell phone pictures of the empty pages and I will post this to our uh, Instagram pages tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, George, I don't know offhand what the retail price of this book is, um, but I'll tell you, I mean, this is well well worth the money. And I, yeah, I don't even think more, it was even more so. I think this formulates. I, I think this. I think this is a great groundwork to get some better brewing habits for everybody out there. Well, and I've seen various different forms of this brewing journal. I mean, this the one we have, we both really like, and it's kind of we settled on. But there's other other ones you can get out there that are like smaller format or or you know have more or less detail in there. The make sure like if you go to pages, you know, page one on this, Jason. If you go to the page number one, you know there. A, a good brew journal will have other things in there and, and not just a place to keep. Like this one has uh, <laughs> conversion charts, beer color reference, glassware reference, 
But on, on, on page number four, now Jason can do this in his head because he's weird. I can't. <laughs> the, yeah. the ABV reference chart I find particularly useful is it gives you in stages of five from 1030 to 1070, you know, and then on the other side in stages of two. So all the way from 0. 0.990 to point. Uh, sorry, to 1026, you can take a look and say, okay, if my original gravity was 1035 and my final gravity was 1010, what is my ABV? And according to this chart, it would be 3.27. You know, and it can give you, it's obviously not going to be super specific, but it can give you some some reference. And, and you know, mo moving on from there, it gets into very detailed information about hops and yeast and everything like that. So it's not only a, um, you know, admit, a place I've to forgotten keep, just I've forgotten just how many pages of hops and reference. yeast are in this thing. Right. I mean, Jeez. it's just it's a it's a reference book as much as it is a journal. And that yeah. is, uh, you know, that's useful to have kind of at your fingertips of you know if you're putting together a recipe if you're doing it freehand inside your journal you can have that in, as as a reference um even if you're doing it in a system like beersmith you know the descriptions in there are okay um but there are some other things like um if you look at the the yeast strain styles it says common beer styles that they're used in and what they they uh typically add but if you look at the hop chart in particular uh not only does it give you the hop name and what it's used for in the alphas the common alphas um i really like the fact that it has possible substitutions in case you can't get that hop for whatever reason and the flavor characteristics so if you're looking for a certain profile like tetanang is spicy herbal aro uh, uh, herbal aroma floral and mild versus yeah. Zeus, which is strong aroma and pleasant, you know, you can it, you can see how it can help you to kind of formulate a, uh, you know, a different variation. And, and, right. and, and if you if you make something and you decide, man, I just wish that had a little bit more of a spicy note to it, maybe swap out one of your hops for something that would give you a little bit more spicy notes to it. I suppose so. the one argument for maybe keeping records in something like Beersmith over a journal would be that um, Beersmith will do certain calculations for you, and they'll have some electronic references for something you know things like comparable ingredients. Mm -hmm. um, I my I think my biggest um, my biggest point you know in favor of of just this uh, this brewer's journal that we have is just accessibility and portability and just ease of use. Um, there's certain yeah. people that are very comfortable just having a laptop around, you know, during a brew day. I'm not one of those people. I don't like that. I, you know, I just, I don't like doing that. It's, you know, no, no, I spend <laughs> enough time around computers as it is. Um, no, I just, I mean, a brew day, I feel better not having one of those around. I, I find know? myself doing both. And and because I think they serve different functions, uh, Beersmith and other other 
you know, recipe building tools uh, and like Brewer's Friend and things like that. They're good for those kinds of calculations. So what is my expected OG? What is my IBUs? What is, you know, if I add this, what's it going to do to the recipe? And those are really good for that. What they suck at is journaling. What they, yes. you know, and, and, and having what version I've made this six times. What happened in e- each time that I made this? They're yeah, terrible it's, at that. It's not, and it's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where a journal really comes into play and where you can really keep that, those notes of, okay, I made this change and this happened. And that can be invaluable. And it just emphasizes just good brewing habits. Yeah. Yeah. I know I said that earlier, earlier in this segment, and I think it's worth repeating. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it, I think it forces you to stay focused on, you know, the major steps and, you know, taking readings of, of things when you need to, um, it's just, it's so important, you know, just to, you know, you know, keeping a brew day productive and, you know, just in the end, just making a good beer. So, yeah, no, I mean, this, uh, I mean, this, uh, I feel like Captain Obvious a little bit, you know, emphasizing a lot of these points. But, um, you know, this may be the simplest, you know, brewing technique that we'll ever discuss here on this segment. Um, But I uh, I, I feel very comfortable emphasizing it. I I feel like I really feel like everyone out there should be doing this. If you're someone, especially someone that's moving from extract kits to all grain, get yourself a journal. Oh, that's and 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 if this message is for anybody out there, it's those people, those people that, you know, are thinking, okay, I've mastered or I'm tired of doing the extracts. I want to do all grain. What do I need? Make this part of your kit. 100%. Wow. Did we get it? I think we did. Yeah, man. Simple message, but told very well. Yeah, and sometimes the the simple things are easy to overlook and are and and can really make the difference. Like, yeah, making sure, you know, yeah, like we we how many times have we done this, uh, um, you know, segment two of going through one of these uh, profiles, and we this is the first time we talked about water. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's. Water is one of the basic ingredients to beer, but it is arguably one of the most important. And, it is. Yeah. And I admit I'm one of those people that's, I'm a little intimidated by the water portion just because there's a lot of complexities to it that I'm just not comfortable with. Yeah. And I know I'm not alone in that. I, I, no. I know that for a fact. No, because that's where, you know, the old saying of um, you do chemistry and you, and, and as a hobby and you get beer <laughs> that's where the rubber meets the road on that. I mean, that's re- really where you're really starting to do some chemistry. It's and, true. And that can be intimidating. Yeah. No, yeah. very true. Where was I? I Well, we were saying that I think we got it. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, keep, so... Keep your records. We And again, we will uh, take a look at our Instagram page. Um, we will... Uh, I will post these pictures tonight um yeah and this is um you know this i mean again simple message but um you know the strong one nonetheless 
So like we said before, keep an eye out. We are going to be doing uh, some form of live streaming or uh, broadcasting of our collective brew day from both Virginia and Darien. Yes, we uh, are. In April. We're not exactly sure of the exact date right now, um, but we are going to be doing that. And we are also planning on, uh, unless you, your plans have changed on this, um, doing some extra kind of bonus uh, sessions in April. And, yes, we uh, are. No, that absolutely still is is the plan. No doubt about it. Okay. Um, yeah, we uh, well, let's let's leave it at this right now. Um, there's going to be more material in April than in months past. Um, I feel I feel very excited about uh, you know greater frequency, and um, I feel like uh, I feel like the show has kind of hit its stride over the last last several months. I think I think the show has gotten gotten better successively each month. I think um, I think we're getting comfortable with things, and I think uh, I think we're just in a good place. And I think the time to you know increase the uh, output, I think uh, I think this feels right. So uh, April's going to be uh, April's going to be kind of a month of change for for George and I. Um, yeah, that's I mean I think uh, I think that'll be the teaser point right there. So more to come. All right. Yeah. All right. Let me uh, let's close up here. Uh, I'll mention again our social media links. Uh, check out on Facebook at Nice Place to Brew and Instagram at A Nice Place to Brew. Um, keep a, keep a look on the, uh, on the, uh, show notes for, uh, for the, some of the, uh, breweries and, um, uh, products and segments that we talked about today. Um, we do, uh, we do that, uh, we do that, uh, pretty closely with, uh, with the, uh, releases of at least the last, last several shows. We will continue to do so and keep an eye out for, uh, for new shows very soon. George, any last minute notes? Just keep on brewing and keep on getting better. Keep on brewing and keep on getting better. That's an excellent message to close out on. <laughs> All right. I have a glass in my hand and I have an aluminum can in my hand. This is not going <laughs> to sound perfect, but I, I have what I have. So you want to do the honor, sir? Takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.